The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What's up, guys? This is the Talking Heads Draft Podcast. I'm off this Sunday in Las Vegas. Joey, who you got? Who you got winning this one? Man, it's this is one of those that, like you said, the uh it's probably the best roster and best offensive coordinator in the NFL against the best quarterback probably ever you know he accomplishments wise he's not quite there yet but in terms I'm of ability perfectly fine with calling him the best quarterback that I've I have ever seen and that I think has ever seen uh, has ever played the game <laughs> yeah yeah I, I've spent a lot of time talking to my wife this uh this last you know two or three weeks about this kind of stuff and we're we're actually I'm re-watching and she is watching for the first time the uh quarterbacks documentary on Netflix and I've just been telling her, like, Mahomes is just different. Like, there, he is something unlike anything else the league has ever seen before. And because of that, I just can't pick against him when it comes to January and February. And until some, until he gets beat in a world where he's not, like, he was playing with basically an entire backup offensive line the year they lost to Tampa. Like, until he gets beat with – you know, a normal roster in January or February, I just can't bet against him. So I'm taking Kansas City, man. As crazy as it sounds, because I think San Francisco is probably better at every position other than quarterback, and I think tight end is probably Kelsey, but a, a basically a toss-up to Kittle and Kelsey. Other than that, like, I'm taking San Francisco pretty much everywhere, and that's – uh, but to me at least, and in these huge games – the quarterback matters so much because there's going to be a handful of plays the quarterback himself has to make. And uh, I'm taking the guy wearing number 15 for sure. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, like I said, if San Francisco was playing like they were early in the season, you know, I guess before and after the Debo Samuel injury where they were just dirt rolling teams, I'd probably be a little bit more, you know, interested in going the San Francisco route. But, man, like they just haven't looked They've won. They, they've they figured out ways to win, but they haven't looked like dominant in the playoffs yet. So I got to, for, for all the reasons you stated, just the quarterback factor and 
just that it factor. The Kansas City Chiefs, you know, didn't play great this regular season, especially on offense, but they kind of have turned it up a little bit here in the playoffs. So I got to lean Kansas City as well. Should be a great game, though. Um, today we're going to dive into – we're going to target a couple positions. And I'm curious I, – I really don't know. Like, we didn't talk about this. We haven't, like – you know, I haven't really discussed this on social media. I haven't seen you discuss it. So we, we might actually – we might get into a little, couple arguments here over some positions that we, you know, think they will target or should target or might not target. Um, I'm going to start it off with a position – I'm going I'm to go different here. So a position I keep seeing mocked to the Cowboys – early in round one that I just don't really see the big need for. So I'm kind of going away from the topic. The topic is going to be positions they need to target in the top 100. I'm going to take it a little bit different route to start this off. I don't think I'm all that interested in taking an offensive tackle in round one. Like if the, if, if that guy falls to you, you know, if you have a just no brainer blinking light, as they like to say, fall to you at 24, Maybe I, I, I consider it, but it would have to be one of those caliber of players falling. Like, I just don't see – I mean, again, like, I know Tyron Smith's a free agent. I, I would probably anticipate him coming back. I know Terrence Steele had his struggles in 2023, but he's going to be your starting right tackle in 2024 because of the contract. You have guys like Matt Willetsko, Asim Richards. You can always bring in another version or Chuma Adoga himself to be a swing tackle. So I just, if you draft a offensive tackle in round one with Tyron Smith on the roster, which I anticipate that happening. If that doesn't happen, we can talk about it then. I just think you're you're drafting a player in round one that probably isn't going to play for you unless Tyron Smith gets hurt, and we've seen him miss you know, games over the last few years, but I just don't think this team can afford to spend a round one pick on an offensive lineman that's only going to see action in four or five games. Yeah, I think that, you know, the way you look at and think about the first round pick in the draft is very important. And, you know, I'll, I'll spin off of your conversation into, into one of my, like, core tenets of drafthood, right, is that there are only a few positions that you should ever consider drafting in the first round, or let me rephrase that. There are a few positions you should never consider drafting in the first <laughs> round. Um, and there's a, like a combination of criteria that you have to meet to be um, a viable first round pick as a position. One of those is they have to be valuable, right? They have to make an impact on the game and that has to be quantifiable. So quarterback, wide receiver, pass rusher. Uh, and really that's, and then pr- pass protector. So really what that, and then corner. So it's really the guy who throws the ball, any offensive lineman, any defensive lineman, a wide receiver in a corner. So you're not taking safeties. You're not taking linebackers and you're not taking running backs or tight ends in the first round. So out of those, then in order to be a first round pick, there has to be a direct path to year one impact. So that conversation you just had, if Tyron Smith is still on the roster, the maximum amount of time that I'm probably getting out of that first round pick, if he's a pure tackle, is four games, five games. In those, you know, Tyron woke up in the hotel bed and his back didn't feel good and he, he's got to take a game off, right? So if, so in general, I agree with your sentiment. I don't think that, and I also don't think 
it ever works out well or it ever works out ideally when you pick a first round pick a year ahead of time. You hear right. you hear guys, you hear old media head guys, guys who used to be in the league, all that kind of stuff talk about how much foresight these organizations have that do that kind of stuff, but it never really works out that well. Because what these guys need is they need to play. And that's how like if if a guy is a is a college player coming into the NFL, the only way he's really going to get a lot better is to get on the field and play. And so if you draft an offensive tackle, we saw the Eagles try to do it a few years ago, and maybe they drafted the wrong player, but that's part of this conversation is you got to get the right player, is they tried to draft Andre Dillard before Jason Peters was ready to retire. And they drafted him and he didn't play. And then by the time he did get on the field, he wasn't good, but they had already, you know, they, but the Eagles do a good job of, you know, also going and getting the super high ceiling rugby player from Australia and turning <laughs> him into a all pro left tackle. Right. But yeah. it, it almost never works out to spend those premium resources on a position that does not have a direct route to impact in year one, because you wind up in situations like you're in this year where the Cowboys just spent a first round pick on Mozzie Smith and a second round pick on a tight end. Uh, Luke Schoonmaker. Luke Schoonmaker, I think you feel okay about because he's not the tight end. He's the second tight end. He's the blocking guy. He's got a role. He'll get a little better in the receiving game, hopefully, and now he's got a nice one-two punch. But Mozzie Smith, the idea behind drafting him, the con- we heard the conversation in, in the draft room, was that he had the opportunity to make an impact immediately. But circumstances however they decided for him to lose the weight or if he decided for him to lose the weight or however it went he lost a bunch of weight and my evaluation of him coming into the league was that I didn't think he was ready to be like an impact line of scrimmage player immediately right and and sure enough he was very much not an impact line of scrimmage player immediately and now you are 25 percent of the way through his rookie contract and you're talking about, hey, should we go draft McKinley Jackson in the second round or the third round? Should we go? Do we need to go draft or go pay a nose tackle so that we can improve this run defense? After, and let's remember, especially with this team that doesn't spend in free agency, they don't do a lot in terms of they are not one of the teams at the forefront of getting the most possible out of the salary cap that they have available to them. Um, in terms of setting up contracts to be able to squeeze the most cap, the most contracts out of the space that they have allocated. That's a conversation, not for this podcast. Um, so, so the first round picks the biggest asset they have any year to make their team better. And they spent it on a defensive tackle last year and he made, he didn't make the team better. You can't do no, it on the field. Exactly. I, I wasn't going to go that far, but you're right. Um, this team has to pick a first round pick who makes the team better immediately. And there's all, and an offensive tackle to, you know, put a bow on it and take it back to your point, an offensive tackle. Who's only an offensive tackle. Assuming Tyron Smith is on the roster. Doesn't make this team better immediately than it is right now. 
unless he's a guy, you know, you talked about Graham Barton last week who plays yeah, center as a rookie. And if Tyron retires and you don't get another tackle and you want to bump him out to tackle, now that's an option. That That's the exception is the guy who has the ability to come in and play center and then bump out to tackle once Tyron is gone. Yep, and that that's where I kind of wanted to, I guess, get started. Because, again, I think you can very well make the argument that if Tyler Biotis doesn't come back and they're not drafting a center in the first round if Tyler Biotis is here. But if, if they go into free agency and they add, you know, let's just say a, a depth interior offensive lineman, or, or let's say they don't. Let's just say they, they say, hey, we're going to give Brock Hoffman and TJ Bass, you know, the chance to compete for that job. And then they go into the draft and they draft a the guy in the first round. That is one of the reasons. And again, like I, I, I actually have Graham, which I know this might be a little bit of a hot take and, coming off the senior bowl, people might get mad at this, but I actually have Graham Barton as my offensive center one in this class. And that's probably more of a a Dallas take than like, like if I was grading him, I think he can play tackle. I don't think he has any issues playing tackle whatsoever. I think his ceiling just rises a lot when you move him inside and let his athleticism and, you know, strength and all the, all the, all the positive traits about him, I think improve if you move him inside and kind of get him off that Island. Um, but that's what, one of the reasons I think Graham Barton makes a ton of sense for this team at 24 over a Jackson Powers Johnson, you know, we'll talk, possibly even talking about like a Zach Frazier in round two, something like that. Like I think Graham Barton's value to this team is a little bit higher than a JPJ just because of his ability to play left tackle in the pinch that we talked about. The Tyron does go down four or five games. Maybe you can slide him out the left tackle put T.J. Bass or Brock Hoffman in at center, and you, you kind of, you know, patch that wound that way. Um, like I said, they don't seem to love to do that. They call it fantasy football, but I think that that, that gives you an option to, to have a short-term answer at left tackle if you need be, a short-term answer at center if need be, and then a long-term option at left tackle, um, which does knock out a lot of birds with one stone with one player. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, the evaluation of the player, I haven't spent a ton of time with Graham Barton yet to evaluate him, but – just in a in a vacuum, a guy who has the ability to play tackle and center it would be more valuable to anybody than someone who is just a center. So you have to you have to balance that you know evaluation of him as a center with the evaluation of JPJ. And like you said, would they even um, would they even actually factor his ability to play tackle in their evaluation? Because they they don't like to move a bunch of guys around if they can help it at all. And even this year, like there were opportunities where a lot of people would have said, hey, bump Tyler Smith out to tackle, and they were dead set on him being the left guard. So if they draft a guy in the first round to play center this year, are they dead set on that guy playing only center? Because there's a lot that comes with playing center in the NFL. And so if, if they're dead set on that guy playing center, does that alleviate the value that you get from Graham Barton, that he is, you know, a tackle fill in in a pinch in year one. Um, I Maybe, but again, that depends on what their, their long-term plan or long-term outlook on the pick would be. Talk me out of cornerback being a top three position of need for this Dallas Cowboys team heading into the 2024 NFL draft. Top three position of need. Well, it's hard to because of the fact that even if you go out and you hire Mike Zimmer or Ron Rivera, which 
to be, you know, for clarity for everyone, we're recording this um, Tuesday afternoon. So they completed their interview with Mike Zimmer a little while ago. They interviewed Ron Rivera and Auden Dirty um, a little yesterday. So unless they make a hire in the next, you know, 12 hours until this comes out or whatever it is, um, if they hire Mike Zimmer or Ron Rivera, they're for sure going to play more regular, like standard nickel and base defense, which means, you know, they're going to play less dime, less defensive backs on the field. But still, even, even with that being the case, you don't have three <laughs> starting quarterback corners on your roster right now. You just don't. And it blows just- my mind. The like I've got like I, I the mock draft I did for thirty third team uh, that came out yesterday, um, and it and I think this is what's going to happen naturally in the draft is with some of these players, you know, flying up draft boards and more interior offensive linemen going, and the quarterbacks maybe kind of making themselves. And you're going to have some good corners, I think, fall down the board a little bit. And I drafted Kool Aid McKinstry, the Alabama corner, twenty four, and people lost their mind like. The quarterback's the last position this team needs and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, normally I can like kind of, you know, like hear it a little bit. And I'm like, you have, you have two good corners on your roster. And one's coming off a torn ACL. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> it goes back to, I think it was the 2020 draft. C.D. Lamb. Everybody says, oh, they picked C.D. Lamb. He was the best player available. They went outside of their positions of need. They, but they had two wide receivers on that team. Yeah. You need three. You play 11 personnel 70% of the time. You got to have three. Wide receiver was absolutely a position of need in 2020. And even though, you know, you got, you know, Broadus will point to that draft as, as evidence that this team drafts best player available and ignores need and all that kind of stuff. And I just, I want to scream every time he says it because (laughs) it's absolutely not true. And, and they, they absolutely draft for need. We heard the conversation happen in the draft room that they were talking about whether they had a bigger need at guard or defensive tackle whenever they were um, having the conversation about who to pick in the first round last year. So corner is a need because right now you don't have three starters. And unless Mike Zimmer comes in and the cornerback whisperer that he is decides, you know, Maybe Terrence Newman comes back and plays at 50 <laughs> years old for Mike Zimmer because he loves to play for Mike Zimmer. But anyway, more than likely, you're going to need a corner because you only have two that are starting that are starter level corners right now. Stephon Gilmore's a free agent. You have Jerron Bland. You have uh, you have Trayvon Diggs, who, like you said, is coming off an ACL. Corner is absolutely a position of need, even if it like the idea of picking another corner to me is like. And that doesn't really like help the way that I want this team to like move forward and look. It absolutely makes sense because you got to have dudes that can cover and they just, they don't have enough of them right now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What uh what what's the what's another position that you're kind of looking at in this draft class that might you know might fall a little under the radar 
Um, you know, we talked about center, we talked about tackle, we talked about corner. What's another position just kind of in this first round, top 100, kind of feel that we're, we're not really talking about enough as a position that they could target and probably should target? Yeah, I mean, it's the, the first round is a little hard for me with this team right now because, you know, those criteria I mentioned earlier, like they're not going to pick a quarterback, right? They're not going to take – we just talked about how they don't need to take an offensive tackle. They're not going to take a guard because – they have, you know, two pro bowlers. Essentially, you know, they basically have two all pro level guards on their team right now. They're not taking one of those guys out of the lineup. So they're not taking a guard. Uh, they, you know, I think edge could potentially be a position they pick higher than a lot of people are talking about because basically every edge on the team, other than Marcus Lawrence and Micah Parsons and Sam Williams, is a free agent and not going to be on the team probably next year. Um, I don't want to say defensive tackle because they just did it, but you probably you need to be better on the interior of the defensive line. Um, linebacker, you don't pick in, you don't to me don't pick in the first round. So really, I, maybe, just, I, I really don't think there's. I mean, like this is a conversation that a lot of people are bringing up, and you're seeing, you know, Jeremiah Trotter drafted it, you know, fifty six, whatever they pick, wherever they pick in the second round. You know, I, I think Edge Cooper's a good player. Like if he was a second round pick, I'd probably be like, yeah, I probably would have maybe seen what we could do a little later, but. I think he can do enough things in your defense. I'd go, I'm fine with that. Um, but like the Jeremiah Trotter, I, I I love Peyton Wilson, but I mean, again, it's a the, the positional value and the injury history with him, I think is a very scary thing to do with a second round pick, um, especially when you don't have a lot of draft picks and you need guys to come in and contribute. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I, I kind of want to make that point on linebacker because you see every, Dallas fan on Twitter right now has posted mock drafts with a linebacker in the second round, you know, like edge Cooper, J- Jeremiah Trotters, your, your, or Peyton Wilson's your, your second round pick. And I just, I would rather go into free agency and pay a proven good linebacker, like Aziz Alshier, you know, four five, $6 million a year, and then draft a guy on day three, then draft a, you know, player. We don't know if I, I have a lot of concerns with Jeremiah Trotter, um, drafting him in the second round and expecting him to come in and like make a big difference for you. Yeah, I think so. I think you approach linebacker and running back exactly the same because I think you need two of each. And, and I think that uh, a, from a roster building standpoint, you need two of each and B um, I think you need impact from two. Like you got to get better two players worth better at those positions, not just like, and so I think you the the what you just mentioned, sign a linebacker and sign a running back for five to six million dollars each a year. And then for me, I would do I'm targeting, I'm thinking in my mind that my second and my third round pick are in some order a running back and a linebacker. Now I hate drafting running backs and linebackers in the first round, but day day two is the give me the linebacker and the running back round. Because there are, like, if Edrin Cooper gets to you at 56 and you combine him with Aziz Alshair and you put Mike Zimmer in this defense, I don't know if you've seen Edrin Cooper's sack and tackle for loss numbers, but if you put Edrin Cooper in an A-gap next to Micah Parsons in an A-gap with, you know, a, a wide nine, wide set, four-eye defensive tackles, and you've got six on the line of scrimmage and four of them are coming on any particular snap, 
and all six of those dudes are dudes that can get to the quarterback because Edger and Cooper can do it. Now, like, you take that scheme combined with that player, and now you've got, like, something really cool and good and awesome that's going to give you some real early value, and the dude can cover and tackle and play the run and all that stuff too. So that idea of take a linebacker and a running back on day two because you're going to get high, high end talent for the draft in those in those positions in in that part of the draft, and they're going to play and, a lot. <laughs> exactly. Every one of your favorite running backs, every one of your favorite linebackers was a day two pick. Every one of them. Like, think of, and I'm talking to the audience here. Think of your favorite running back: Nick Chubb, second round pick; Derrick Henry, second round pick; Fred Warner, third round pick. Um, you know, all McCaffrey, those guys. McCaffrey is one of the few. That's... Yes, McCaffrey and Roquan Smith. And Roquan Smith cost Baltimore a second and a third round pick. Yep. So they got him for a day two pick. Like all of those guys are day two picks. If your favorite is Dre Greenlaw, he's a day three pick. So the, again, the idea is you get really high end, like super high ceiling players at those two positions specifically. On day two, the value, I don't know, you know, it's the combination of the talent and the positional value and all that kind of stuff, but it's just a big, huge, like sweet spot, honeypot for those spots right there. So I'm going to take the, I'm going to take a little bit dialed down of the Detroit Lions approach to running back, go sign a mid-ish level free agent running back that's just capable of doing the job, right? Like not special. We don't need that guy to make big plays. I need that guy to like keep Dak from getting hurt on third and seven when he drops back and needs a running back and pass pro. And I need him to convert second and two every time. And that's I like, said, yeah. I said, Dante, Deontay Foreman, the guy yes, who's some, around. Yes. Big, something big exactly back. like that. Yes. <laughs> you know, and there, there's talk about like Derrick Henry and, and Saquon and Josh Jacobs and who knows what the running market will running back market will be. But I have a hard time seeing it being much more than what it was last year, which was, the top end of the market got like 6 million bucks a year. Right. So you can go out and sign like the fourth best running back in free agency. And he's going to be a really good player. And you're going to get him for like 5 million bucks a year. And then you combine that with a, then you take the, I want the big play in a bottle running back in on day two, you know, name, pick your favorite big play running back. Bucky Irving. What's that? Bucky Irving. There you go. (laughs) Bucky Irving and Deontay Foreman. And that's a darn good running back tandem to walk into week one with. And you can ease your day two running back pick in with four or five touches the first week. And Deontay Foreman carries more of the load early. And, you know, it sort of shifts. And by the end of the season, you're talking about, you know, your rookie making a huge impact and your 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 veteran being a uh, being a big time uh, a big time contributor in really key important situations. And uh, and now you're all set. And do the same thing with linebacker, except these two linebackers both play at the same time. So, you know, Aziz Alshair for six million bucks a year and Adrian Cooper, you know, pick your linebacker. Put those two guys together, put them on the field together, and now you're cooking and you've got really high-end talent from those positions ready to make a year one impact. And you still have you, but and it didn't cost you a first round pick or eleven million dollars a year for like a franchise tag running back like they did last year. Yeah, and and the reason I wanted literally wanted to come on here and have this conversation is for what we're talking about because we we talk so much talk nowadays is about positional value. 
um, on both ends of the spectrum. Some people I think maybe overvalue, like I shouldn't say overvalue positional value because I don't think that's what I'm trying to say. But like some people will be like, ah, you know, ah, we can't, again, we can't take a linebacker in the second round because we can get a good guy in the, the third or fourth. And it's like, well, if you got a dude that fits your scheme perfect and is going to be an impact player for you and you can draft him in the 50s, draft him. Because at that point, you're just looking for, you know, really good football players. It's not really about, again, like, sure, would you love to draft your running backs, linebackers, and tight ends all on day three? Yes, but if I can get a Fred Warner on day two or a Nick Chubb on day two, I'm very happy with that. It didn't cost me a first-round pick. It, I'm drafting them right outside the top 50, and they're going to be really good players for my football team. The issue comes in is when, you know, they go, hey, you know, the the, the comment, you know, that we're talking about now is the, hey, they don't need a corner. They don't need a center. They don't need a whatever that – an edge rusher. They need a defensive tackle, a safety, a linebacker, and a running back before one of those positions. I'm literally reading that comment off of one of my tweets from earlier, so that's <laughs> an actual topic. But, but that's – we're not saying that they don't need those positions. We're saying let's draft a – because the difference is, is you're, you know, in, in two, two or three years when you're running backs up for a contract, you go, hey, buddy, you know, you can play out on your deal or you can be a free agent next year and make, you know, just a few million dollars what you need now. Or you draft a corner and you get four years that you deal and then he comes up and he's looking at $26, 27000000 million a year and you go, crap, we're screwed. And they might be in that conversation with Deron Bland here in a few years. So that's something we didn't even mention with the cornerback position. You draft Kool-Aid McKinstry or Cooper DeGene or um, Carrion or whoever that corner is that falls to you, like you're going into three, you know, year three with Deron Bland, you know, you're a, a year away pretty much with him going coming to the coming to the table with going, hey, I'm a defense player of the year candidate. I'm leading, you know, broke the interception record. Like let's talk about my contract. And that can get really interesting here in a few years with Trayvon Diggs making a lot of money, Michael Parsons, C.D. Lamb, Dak Prescott. So drafting those positions of value early just gives you more of a leash to maybe move on from a guy like Deron Bland or trade him and go, hey, we can bring back valuable assets. That's kind of what, you know, the Bears did with Roquan Smith. They go, hey, we're not going to pay this guy a lot of money. Let's trade him off, get some get some day two capital for him, and then, you know, we, we're going to miss him, but we can draft a replacement. You know, they brought in some players that can kind of fill his role without, you know, not being Roquan Smith but filling his role because of the positional value, and they can save money to pay Jalen Johnson. They can save money to you know go trade for a quarterback or draft whatever they want to do. Um, so the positional value is so interesting to me because, like I said, like we can sit on here all the time and say you know ah, let's not take a linebacker in the first round, let's not take a running back, but we can also come on here and go hey let's draft a corner, a tackle, a receiver, a edge rusher in the first round. It might not be a big position of need, but it's a position of need. It's just not a as big of a position to need as those other spots, then we can come back on day two and get a really good linebacker, a really good running back. And then we can come back on day three and get the receiver, the tackle, or the center, whatever that is. Um, the, the, the thing that I think we both want to see is this team use free agency so they don't have to worry about drafting, you know, maybe they cover their bases and they come in and, hey, we're, you know, we've taken care of our center position so we can go get that corner or that edge rusher that falls to us and not feel like we have to draft Jackson Powers Johnson or Graham Barton or whatever that is. So that's one of my biggest, you know, takeaways from this whole conversation is the positional value stuff is absolutely a real thing. There's positions in the NFL that are way more important than others, but there's also 
that aspect of it too. When you get to day two, you get to day three. If if I have a linebacker who I know is going to play a whole lot more than an offensive tackle, give me the linebacker. You know, if there's a you know safety who I know has got the ability to be a Pro Bowl All Pro safety, but their corner there that might be you know he's kind of your third or fourth corner. Give me the safety. So like the positional value thing holds a ton of value, but it's it's more inside like the top fifty where I think that conversation deserves a lot of a lot of, you know, uh, credence. And then once you get outside of that, you're really just trying to find the best football players to add to your team to help you win football games. Right. I think for me, the positional value conversation revolves in two places. It involves the first round of the draft. And you'll hear, you know, again, you'll hear people talk about, well, once you get outside the top 18 players, there's no more first round graded players anyway. So you may as well take this guy it's not about the grade, which we could have a whole conversation about my opinion on the 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 way the grading conversation is held is had and the way that structure is set up and how it doesn't make any sense and it's illogical and all these other things. Um, but it's not about the grade, it's about the resource you're using to acquire the player. All right. And so it positional value to me is the first round of the draft and the free agency and trade market. That, that's the only places where those apply. Because once you get outside the first round, like you said, in some years you're hunting like, hey, who are the guys who have ultimate, you know, starting level development potential and all this other kind of stuff. But in the world you should be living in, it's who has a path to make an impact from my football team the day they walk in, right? Like when they walk into OTA one with the, with the full team, who's the guy that's lining up with the twos behind the veteran that everybody in the field, everybody in the building knows by the time you get to Oxnard in July, he's with the ones because he's better than that guy already. They're just deferring it to the veteran for OTAs. That's what you're hunting. Who's the guy who's going to be with the ones when they are in Oxnard, not the guy who's going to be with the ones in, you know, December maybe, or in year two or three, who's the guy that lines up and makes a difference on my depth chart immediately. That's what you're hunting all throughout the draft. And the likelihood you find that guy in the sixth or seventh round is way smaller than in the first, second or third round. So to me, that's why you want to go hunt those linebackers and running backs on day two, because you got a real, like, like I said earlier, you have a really good chance of getting a, you still want high end talent at those positions. Like nobody's saying, Oh, I want a bad running back on my team. Running backs don't matter. I want a bad running back. Right. Because if you don't have a good running back, you wind up with a running game that the Cowboys had this year where it's inconsistent. If it's blocked up really well, you'll bust big plays. If it's not blocked up really well, you get tackled on the backfield. You need a good running back who will turn minus one into two or three and who will turn two or three into five or six. But it doesn't cost a first-round pick or $11 million to get that guy. That's that's the point, right? And so, and it's the same thing with linebacker. It doesn't take a first-round pick or $20 million a year to have a linebacker who can make an impact on your team. So I think that's kind of the the the, the crux of the whole conversation that we're having here is, the Cowboys have enough needs on their roster that 
you can find a position of high value. And I consider center to be one of those high value positions because it's so important because it, you know, really for me, any offensive line position is, is up there because it's a weak link position, all that kind of stuff. Um, so there's enough offensive line, edge rush, cornerback. Heck, right now, let's be honest, Michael Gallup is not going to be on this roster next year. He shouldn't be. <laughs> Unless he's at like a, a third of the pay that he's on his current contract, which maybe he agrees to that because he likes Dallas and he likes Dak and all that kind of stuff. But he shouldn't be, right? So right now, just like the corner conversation, you got two starting wide receivers. Yep. And now, now you hope Jalen Tolbert can step up and become that wide receiver three. And he's showed showed some things, showed a lot in training camp in the preseason. Showed some things during the season that had promise. But I think you could absolutely say, hey, there's a there's an opportunity, a need, and an opportunity for impact from a wide receiver in the top three spots on our depth chart, which is a starter mm-hmm. essentially. So we can go that route. Now, maybe they say, hey, we're going to play more 21. We're going to play more 12 personnel. We don't need that third wide receiver to be so high in. Javon Tolbert can fill that role for 60% of snaps while we're playing way more 12 and 21. Maybe that's their conversation. But there, if the wide, the right wide receiver is there in the first round, you could absolutely pick a wide receiver in the first round this year, just like you did sure. you know, four years ago, right after you had traded for Amari Cooper. So – I think if you talk about offensive line, probably not tackle, but, I mean, depending on the Tyron Smith situation, offensive line, edge rush probably because defensive tackle you just took, wide receiver and cornerback, those are four high-value positions that you have a spot that you could grab a first-round player and drop them in right now and put them in and they would play and make an impact. So that that's your first round right there, one of those four spots. Center or tackle, and, you know, pick Graham Barton, you get both, right? Center tackle. (laughs) Um, Wide receiver, edge rush, cornerback. That's your first-round pick right there. Study those guys, narrow them down. You'll have the four or five guys that there's an opportunity for them to probably pick when you get there. You will probably be pretty close to right. Yeah, I think to put a bow on kind of conversation we're having, I guess the the positional value conversation is like, as much as we'll get on, you know, me and you both will get on here and be like, the running backs don't matter, blah, blah, blah. Running backs don't matter. Linebacks don't matter. I'd much rather, and this this is just, again, it's a silly way to think about it, but I'd much rather have the trick pick they traded for Trey Lance to draft a linebacker or run, running back than a third-string quarterback that's not going to play at all, even though he plays the most valuable position in the NFL. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And <laughs> there's a whole conversation to be had about because I, I don't know if I mentioned it on this show. I mentioned it on Twitter. Trey Lance has basically a $5 million roster bonus due at the start of training camp. If he is on the roster this year, he counts like $5 million against your salary cap this year for a third-string quarterback. So for me, I, I am I don't believe that both Cooper Rush and Trey Lance will be on this team next year. That's kind of maybe yeah, that's my hot take for the end of the podcast. Is I don't believe both those guys are around. And I also don't believe that there's a world in anywhere in the multiverse where they draft the quarterback this year. Yeah. Because they I already think, have they a should, ton I think invested they should be in trying to ship Trey Lance for whatever they can get to Minnesota, you know, 
Las Vegas, one of those teams that doesn't get a quarterback in the first round that needs a quarterback, maybe they give those guys and go, hey, we gave up a fourth for him last year. We'll take a fifth right now, you know, and see what you can get um, for, for him because I think that, you know, I, I still – I think – I don't know why they traded for Trey Lance last year. It didn't make a ton of sense at the time, and it really doesn't make any sense now. When it, You know, unless they come out and cut Cooper Rush and just go, hey, he's going to be our backup, which would be a little bit surprising being that they didn't give him any opportunity to play last year when Dak was wearing a hat for most of the fourth quarter. So you think they would have just given him a couple times to be the backup to see if he could get in the game. But I think, you know, to close things out before we get too far off the tracks, I do wonder if they're going to try to float him around maybe right before during the draft and see if they can get, you know, some sort of a draft pick in return for him for a team that's looking for a quarterback. Yeah, and then, you you know, you talk about, you know, trading future picks to trade in and draft a late-round cornerback that nobody else is interested in drafting at the point that you draft them and the, the regular practice that they have of doing that kind of stuff now. And, uh, and you wind up in this situation where you've got a bunch of positions you need <laughs> that you want to draft from like pick 40 to pick 120 and you only have two picks in that 80 pick range because you, you know, and I am in favor of in general trading day three draft picks for veteran players. But when you, one of those is a player who never, the reason why is because the odds that you get a guy who makes an impact year one, you know, that's the whole resource you're trying to get out of a draft pick who makes an impact year one. That's 25% of their contract. They need to make an impact year one. Trading that guy, trading one of those for a guy on a two-year contract who you hope never plays, that's like really, really, really crazy uh, outside of the box thinking that to me is, is you know, it was it's kind of exciting and whatever for them to pick. Hey, they made, they made a move. Like they did something. They never do stuff. Right. And it's like, well, you did this. Like, then, you okay. get around, then you get yeah. around doing those mock drafts and go, damn it. Yeah, I, I really wish I had pick 126 or whatever it is so that I could pick a, that's, uh, that's a, good a wide receiver line, right here. Yeah, yeah. that's a good line, running back linebacker pick right there. <laughs> yep, absolutely. <laughs> All right, well, yeah, like I said, I just want to come on here and talk about some of these positions that, you know, so many people are talking about on Twitter right now, doing the mock drafts with, and I just think it's an interesting conversation to talk about the positional value uh, get an idea of, you know, where you should be looking at some of these guys, where some of these guys – we're going to get into names and stuff like that coming up here in the next few weeks. Uh, we'll be back next week on the Talk in the Draft podcast. Uh, we thank you guys so much for listening. Hopefully you guys have a good Super Bowl weekend. Enjoy the the food, the festivities, whatever you're doing, parties, whatever you're doing. Um, I guess a lot of people are probably going to be rooting for Kansas City seeing as the San Francisco 49ers are – have been a, a thorn in the Cowboys side for multiple years now, but I uh, hope you guys have a great Super Bowl weekend. We'll be back next week and talk on the draft podcast. Okay. Yeah.